So, <clears throat> I've been, I was reading a magazine last week called Who's Your Neighbor? And I'd never seen that magazine before. It's pretty cool. And as it turns out, uh, Kevin Cherry and his wife Sarah are the publishers. They attend here at Second Service. And uh, Tina Wirt is the content, content coordinator. She comes here too, which is kind of cool. And I've ne- I'd never seen this magazine, but in the back was this article by Chuck Souter. And in the article, he had asked second graders a bunch of questions about their moms. And I thought maybe that's appropriate today. It's Mother's Day, and it's been almost a year since I preached a Mother's Day sermon. I thought maybe we would go ahead and ask some of these questions. These are second graders. Why did God make mothers? The answer, she's the only one that knows where the scotch tape is. (laughs) How did God make mothers? Well, he used dirt just like he did for the rest of us, but he used magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. What ingredients are mothers made of? I love this one. God makes mothers out of clouds, angel hair, everything nice in the world, and one dab of mean. <laughs> Why did God give your mother, the, uh, your mother you and not somebody else's mom? Because we're related. Hmm. What, what kind of little girl was your mother? I love this one. And she said, I don't know because I wasn't there, but my guess was she was pretty bossy. This one said, they said she used to be nice. Why did your mommy marry your dad? My dad makes the best spaghetti in the world, and my mom likes to eat. (laughs) My my grandma says she married him because she didn't have her thinking cap on. (laughs) Who's the boss in your house? Mom doesn't want to be boss, but she has to because my dad's such a goofball. That that has a lot of homes here, I'm telling you. What does your mom do in her spare time? And I love this. This is wisdom. Mothers don't have spare time. Hmm. If, you're, if you could change one thing about your mom, what would it be? Well, she has this weird thing about keeping my room clean. I might get rid of that. The other one said I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it and not me. <laughs> Last one, and this one's a good one. What's the difference between moms and dads? Well, moms work at work and then work at home. Dads just work at work. Ooh. Moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them. Dads are taller and stronger, but moms have the real power because they're the ones you have to ask for a sleepover. And then I love this one. Moms have magic. They can make you feel better without medicine. Mm-hmm. Happy Mother's Day. I'll be honest with you, this is uh, one of the toughest Mother's Day for me. I miss my mommy, and I know some of you are struggling with that this year too. Uh, but through Jesus Christ. You know, we have this hope, and so that gets us through it. So, happy Mother's Day. My mom had a phrase that she used on me quite a bit when I was growing up, and I'm sure you've probably heard it from your mom, maybe even your grandma. My mom used to say to me, grow up. Why don't you just grow up? Did you ever hear that from your mom? Now, I know my mom wasn't saying to me, hey, five foot nine is just not going to cut it. You know what I mean? You're going to have to get a little tall. Could you get as tall as Scott or Aaron or something like that? That's not what she meant. 165 pounds, that's not enough. You know, you're gonna, that's not, my mom was talking about me growing up on the inside because that's healthy. It's also scriptural. That's what God wants for all of us. He wants us to grow up in Christ, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. But kids, man, for kids to grow, that's just healthy. It's just normal. Now, if you've been around me long at all, then you know I love kids. I just do, always have. Uh, I've just figured if we could fill this church with kids and dogs, I could preach till I die. You know what I'm talking about? I love my kids. I love my grandkids. But here's the deal. Kids cannot stay kids forever. If, the, if you guys don't grow up at some point, something's wrong with you. 
You know, if you don't mature as a kid, someplace something's wrong with you. And you know what? It's the same thing spiritually. There's nothing more attractive, more exciting than a baby Christian. And I don't care if that baby Christian's nine years old or 59 years old. It's a neat thing to watch. But here's the deal. If they don't grow up in Christ, something's wrong with them, big time. And so, in honor of our mothers today, and more importantly, in honor of our Heavenly Fathers, I'd like to talk a little bit about growing up in Christ. Now, we should be doing that every week but specifically growing up this morning. I was reading a little John Ortberg, imagine that, his commentary on 2 Corinthians 4.16. Actually, this uh, is from years ago, but I've never forgotten it. He was talking about the two most important parts of every person. There's the inner you and the outer you. The outer you is your, you know, your skin and your hair and your face and the things that we see. The inner you is your character, your heart, and your soul. The outer you is what everybody sees. The inner you nobody sees. The outer you is temporary, the inner you lives forever. But the other thing he says about the outer you is it's wasting away right now. And that's the truth. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, when he writes, therefore we don't lose heart, because outwardly we're wasting away. Inwardly, ah, we're being renewed day by day, he says. Now, the first part of this is not very good news. It means that old man waste is coming for every one of us. And just in case you think Paul's being a little overdramatic or I'm just using it as a preaching point, I'd like you to take a minute right now and look at the person next to you. Take a good look up and down. See what I'm talking about? Waste is coming after us. I mean, you're looking at it right now. Now, here's the thing. It normally starts at about age 25, and it starts subtle. You know, you start losing a little of your energy, and the bones get a little brittle, and your, your skin starts to lose its elasticity a little bit. Of course, that goes on as you get older, and at some point when you get to be my age, you look down, you got age spots, and you think, my hand looks like my grandpa's. How does that happen? And I hear one of them say, hey, Papa, come here. And I, oh, that's how that happens. And then the next thing that happens, you start losing brain cells. Do you know that I read when you turn 30 on average now, you lose 3 million brain cells a day. Now, I love some of you dearly, but some of you need to get down on the floor right now and get them puppies picked up and try to get them back in here because you can't lose anymore. You know what I'm talking about? One little girl said she went to the doctor with her sister, and the doctor said, my sister has two brain cells left, and one of them ain't working. Now, I feel that way sometimes growing up. Old man waste. All your weight goes from the poles to the equator. You know what I'm talking about? And hair stops growing where it should, and starts boldly growing where no hair should grow. You know what I'm saying? And then you get these opes. That's what I call them. Old age pains. And drive them down the road, and I'll go, oh! And the kids will say, what was that, Dad? That was an ope. It feels like somebody stabs me here. Here, there's nothing there, but it just hurts. You know what I'm talking about? It's just amazing. Old man waste is coming. Now, I can see it in some of you guys. Some of you are not even 18 yet let alone 25, and you're thinking, <laughs> there's no way I'm ever going to be as old as you, Cain. Can I tell you something? We used to think the same thing. We love you, but it's coming after you one day, and I hope to see it. You know what I'm talking about? One guy said, no, when, you know you're getting old when you bend over to pick something up, and you think to yourself, now what else can I do while I'm down here? So that, that's waste, and it's coming after us. That's the bad news. The good news is the real you is the inside you, your character and your heart. And that's the part that matters. And I want to tell you, I want to remind you of something. That's growing right now. It's not wasting. It's growing. And it's either becoming something dark and sinister, 
or it's growing right now into something unimaginably beautiful. And that's the part that my mom was talking about when she said, grow up. That's the part that God's interested in. That's the part that God sees. Remember in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, where Samuel was sent by God to pick the next king of Israel, and, and he said he's going to come from the house of Jesse. And in verse 6, Samuel's watching, and one of Jesse's boys comes out, and he's this big strapping-looking guy. And, and Jesse says, or Samuel says, surely that's him. And God says in verse 7, uh-uh, don't consider his appearance or his stature. I reject him. See, man looks at the outside, but the Lord looks at the heart. Man looks at the outside, the Lord looks at the heart. Isn't that the truth? We just pine and oogle and, you know, we're all these people that we're told are beautiful, the celebrities that we see on TV, and we just say, oh, you know, we pine over them like they deserve it, like they did something for it, you know what I mean? I, I read a study uh, years ago uh, that said that attractive people get a better deal in this life than unattractive people. Uh, on average, they said uh, unattractive babies uh, don't get near the attention in daycares as the attractive babies. They get more holds and more coos and more hugs. According to the study, uh, unattractive people don't make near as much money in the workforce as attractive people do. And you start looking around, you think that's probably true because you see that even in our kids' stories. I mean, think about Disney's Cinderella. The prince falls in love with her, he doesn't know anything about her. She's just strikingly beautiful, he never seen anything like that. Snow White, Sleeping Beauty, they had guys fall in love with them while they were asleep, for heaven's sakes. You think they had a rude awakening? I mean, I don't know, but the point is we always look at the outside. That's what we're all about is the outside, but not God. Not even close with God. God's looking in here. He's looking to see what's going on in here with you. Are you growing towards Christ or away from Christ? That's what matters to Him. Now, the problem is the inner and the outer selves get all mixed up and so it's hard for us sometimes to separate them because we're all about ourselves, you know, inside and out. And, and so that's why we're reminded sometimes in the Bible to look at our character and our heart and our soul and to work things out. Now, Paul, uh, you know, he was wasting away for, for other reasons, not just his age. Uh, you know, he had been through it, shipwrecked, and thrown in prison, and, you know, beaten and whipped, and stoned, and gone without, been cold. And, he was kind of the Indiana Jones of the New Testament. It wasn't the years, it was the mileage kind of thing. But Paul says, I'm wasting away. My body's wasting away for whatever reason. But if you read the rest of that chapter, he's so excited about what's going on in here. Let, let me paraphrase this. It's amazing. He says, it's really cool. Outside, I'm dying a little bit every day, but inside, I'm coming to life, man. I mean, it's the strangest thing to watch. I keep changing and growing. I keep getting stronger. Joy keeps bubbling up inside of me. And even though my body's in prison, I know it's wasting away. I keep getting more hopeful. Hope just keeps welling up inside of me, even though I know my body's going to die. And love, love just keeps getting more and more powerful inside of me. I find myself wanting to love people all the time, even people that are trying to beat me up in this life. My portfolio my 401k keeps going down and down, but the generosity factor in my life just keeps going up. It's the neatest thing. I am dying on the outside, but on the inside, I'm just coming to life. Outwardly, I'm wasting away, but oh my goodness. Inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. It's a fabulous thing to watch, Paul says. I sometimes think, man, I wish I could say that. Well, you can. The Bible says when you become a Christ, uh, all things are new. 
And all we have to do is remind ourselves once in a while to focus on the inside. We're so about the outside. Focus on the inside. So, uh, before we pray, a couple of things we can do to grow up in Christ today, and, and then we'll go home and do that in honor of our mothers and our grandmas and God, okay? The first thing is take a good look in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? And that should be easy. We like looking at ourselves. I, I read an article on mirrors one time. There's a science behind what they do with mirrors. They put the big mirrors in the elevators, and they put the big mirrors in the dressing rooms, and, and you walk through the department store, and they got mirrors on the, on the columns. You know why? Because they found that people like to look at themselves. But they keep it dark around the mirrors. You know why? Because people don't really like to see what they're looking at. They like to look, but they don't want to see old man waste. Paul says in Romans 12, 3, he says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more, more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that's God given you. What are you getting at, Paul? Paul's saying, listen, take an honest look at yourself once in a while. Slow down, get quiet, and take an honest look at what's going on because he said it's possible for us to go years and years and years and really not know who we are and how we're acting. And you know the the sad thing is the worst people in, in that category are church people. I can't tell you how many times in the course of the last two decades I've got this email, and I'm, I'm sure you have too, uh, about the woman that's tailgating this guy through town, and they finally get up to a yellow light, and he doesn't go through it, so it turns red, and she just throws a fit. She's honking and cussing and waving at him with not enough fingers. You know what I mean? And, and as she's throwing her fit, she gets this tap on the window and looks over. It's a policeman. And he gives her one of these. She gets out of the car. He handcuffs her, takes her down to jail, locks her up. Well, she's out within two hours, of course. And while they're giving her personal effects, the arresting officer comes forward. And he says, ma'am, I'm so sorry for the mistake, but I think you can understand how I made a mistake. I mean, I came up on you cussing this guy and yelling at this guy and flipping this guy off. And I look at the back of your car, and there's a, a fish emblem on it and, and a sticker that says, meet me at church on Sunday and, and choose life. And I love Jesus. And, you know, I just figured you stole that car. Yeah, yeah, ouch. You know, you, you read Jesus in the New Testament, and that's how he handled that sort of people. He was always toughest on people who wanted to look like everything was okay on the outside, but inside they were full of stubbornness and selfishness and judgmentalism and always got to be right and hatefulness. He, he didn't like that. He's sick of those kind of people, and so is the world. You, you know the kind of people I'm talking about, right? They've got the Christian stickers on their car, and they wear the Christian necklaces. they got Christian T-shirts and Christian hats, and they play Christian music. But they don't have the love of Jesus way down in their heart. You know why? You can tell by the way they talk to their family and the people they work with and the arguments they get in with people on Facebook. They appear like everything's okay on the outside, but it's not down in their bones. In other words, they want to appear like they're Christians, but they don't want to act like it. And I'm telling you, the world is sick of those kind of people. And if it describes any of us in here, we need to grow up right now. For the world's sake and for our sake, 
We are in a place right now in this country, in this world, where people need fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who are standing for the word of Jesus Christ, who are not giving in to all the fads and all the movements and all the media stuff out there so they can be tolerant, that are people who are attractively different, and we talked about it last week, who are standing on the word of God. Your neighbor needs it, your family needs it, and you need it. And it's time for us to act like we're supposed to grow up in Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you, if we're not careful, we can go a long time and not have this look inside to know what's going on. And so I'm challenging all of us, believe me, I've already started, to take a good, long, honest look and ask some pretty hard questions. Is there a sin habit inside of me I need to fix? Am I pretending to be somebody I'm not? Are there some things inside of me like anger and stubbornness? and opinionated, and judgmentalism, and selfishness, and pride that I need worked on. And then come down here at this altar when this thing's over today, when I'm done rambling, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring those things to mind and let Him fix it. He's the only one here who can fix it. He's in the heart-changing business. He's here, too. You know it, don't you? I already tell might get a godly friend to help you with this. Quickly, number two, got to become a little more careful about what we eat, what we're feeding the inside. We're all about the outside. Again, I read uh, this thing from dietitians. I've heard it over and over and over again that dieting is not rocket science. It's not. In fact, dietitians say that you can put all the food into two groups, good food and bad food. And I know that's true. And most of the time, you can tell by looking. If you're standing and you've got a Krispy Kreme donut in your right hand and a stalk of celery in your left hand, which is the good food and which is the bad food? I don't care. I'm eating a donut, right? You know what I mean? But you see what I'm saying? We're all about this today. Even though we're all overweight in this country, there's never been a civilization more conscious about health food and what we put in our bodies than this one and less emphasizing what we put in our souls. In other words, we're all about health food these days, and, and you can go to the organic section, and you can become vegan and all these things, and we're not paying near enough attention to what we're putting on in the inside of our soul, the part that's going to live forever. And we need to remind ourselves that every conversation we have is feeding our soul. Every Netflix binge series that you watch is feeding your soul one way or the other. Every Facebook conversation, every TikTok, every website, every movie is feeding the inside of us. And there's a huge lie going on these days, and I don't know when it started, but it's getting stronger and stronger. And the lie says that you can absolutely do anything you want today, believe anything you want today, agree with anything you want today, look at anything you want today, read anything you want today, watch anything you want today, and still stand on the principles of Jesus Christ. And it is a lie. You cannot do it turns out you really are what you eat. And we need to be careful what we're putting inside of our, our forever soul. Now, here's one of the things I thought we could maybe do to grow up a little bit. If you have identified something that you're going to work on that we talked about earlier, you can find a scripture. Elliot, you're doing so good. You can find a scripture to match up with that and eat on that all week. For example, if you're finding yourself judgmental and, and stubborn and always wanting to win an argument and having a hard time loving people, then why don't you just read First uh, John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold what manner of love that God has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. 
Man, why don't you chew on that every day this week? You're a child of God. Man, if you chew on that and believe that and act like that, you're going to be the kind of person people want to be around. Uh, maybe you're struggling with fear. I know there's a lot of things to be afraid of right now. In fact, everything you look at right now is wrong. The economy, politics, the globe, I mean, the climate, everything, we get scaring us to death. But that's not who we should be. So if you're struggling with that, why don't you read Joshua chapter 9, verse 1. Be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you wherever you go. You're never alone. Chew on that all week. Chew on Philippians chapter 2, verse 11. Let your attitude be the same as Jesus Christ. Fill your soul up with that. My point is, every day when you put some food in your body, think about the food you're putting in your soul. Meditate on when you're driving to work, when you're at school, when you're on your way, before you go to bed. Think about what's going on in here because this lasts forever. So look in the mirror, be careful what you eat, and one last one, in two minutes I'll be walking down here. One more thing, some, a little spiritual exercise wouldn't hurt anybody. We're all into physical exercise. Again, we're all about that. You know, there's something new coming on. It, it used to be Bowflex, now it's Pelotron. You know, and we do the ab crunch, and we do the elliptical, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm still working out four days a week. It's good for you to do that, exercising. But, you know, I read that that kind of exercise only gives you two extra years on your life. Two extra years? I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're eating a donut, man. You won't be in a nursing home in a diaper. So anyway, uh, <laughs> you, you, uh, Winston Churchill lived to be almost 90, and he said the only exercise he got was being a pallbearer for his friends who exercised all the time. <laughs> and I love Bill Blackheader, man. I'm telling you, Bill, I, I miss him. Well, early on, years ago before he quit smoking, Bill had a cigarette in his hand a lot of times, and he was overweight. And he said Shirley was always getting on him for having a cigarette and being overweight. And he said, Shirley, it's no big deal. All you got to do is find a fat doctor that smokes, and everything's okay. <laughs> Listen, God wants us to exercise a little bit spiritually. Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he doesn't mean we work out our salvation. That's already been taken care of. That word is an aerobic term in the Greek. It means you work out the fact that you've been saved. Get up tomorrow morning and act like a saved person. Act like a Christian. Be generous like a Christian. Love like a Christian. Be tolerant of others like a Christian, but stand firm on God's Word like a Christian. Pray like a Christian. Be everything that God wants you to be. You grow up. Kind of got carried away from Mother's Day, didn't I? I can get by with that because my mommy's already in heaven. She'd be on me for not having my hair cut yet. It's coming Thursday. I was thinking, you know, James talks about looking in the mirror too in uh, James chapter 1 and, and he says something that makes so much sense and we've talked about it before but it just makes so much sense he says anybody that looks at the word of God like we've been doing and walks away and doesn't make any change it's like a guy that looks in the mirror and, and, and walks away and doesn't do anything about it I mean who would do that I mean, I get up in the morning, and after I've made the coffee and fed the dogs, I go in the bathroom to clean up, and the first thing I do is look in the mirror, and it's like, first of all, how in the world did that happen? It's not like I ran a marathon, I slept for eight hours, and it looks like I got hit by a truck. I mean, how's that happening? The hair's over here, and the beard's over here, you know what I mean? Well, you, you know, nobody's going to look at that mess in the mirror and just go to work. That's silly to look at that, to gaze on that, and then not do anything about it. James says, you don't, you don't look at the Word of God. 
see the changes that he wants to make in your heart and not do anything about it. That's as crazy as looking in the mirror, not getting cleaned up. So that's what we do as Christians here every week. That's why we end up at this table, the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And that's why we come up here and get on our knees. I mean, you start thinking about all the forgiveness that's wrapped up in this little cup and loaf, the symbol of what Jesus did. You can't help but fall on your knees and thank him for that. And then start talking about the things that he's revealed to you this morning through the texts. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're still thinking about pulling the trigger on that, man, I just take the harp on you, but come on. You've looked in the mirror. You know what kind of person you are, and you know what happens to a person like you without Jesus Christ. If he comes back today and you're not with Jesus Christ, what you're looking at in the mirror is going to last forever. Don't look at that and walk away today. Come up here and join Jesus. Because then every time you look in the mirror, doesn't matter what you see. It matters what God sees, and he will see the righteousness of his son. Come and spend some time with the Lord this morning.